do you track where all of your dollars go each and every day, each and every month, and each and every year for your household economy? They say, no, we don't. Okay, great. Do you track where all of your dollars go to your business? Business owners will, in general, say yes. Then why in the world do you not do that the same thing for your household economy? This is Better Wealth with Caleb Williams. Hey, everybody. On today's episode, we're using a math and a model to take a real-life scenario with an entrepreneur and really ask the question, how are you doing? Let's take your entrepreneurial life and see where you're at using the lifetime income process. But more importantly, Jeremy, we're going to talk about selling your business versus keeping it. A lot of entrepreneurs don't save any money at all, and they have this thought, this belief that their business is worth a billion dollars that sell their business and be able to retire and own two homes and all that. I think this is going to be very, very eye-opening. The reason why we're doing this is we have a lot of entrepreneurs that work with us at Better Wealth. This is a scenario that we see all the time. We did change the names and change the scenarios a little bit, so we're not hurting anyone's identity. Jeremy, dude, I'm, I'm excited for this one. As an entrepreneur, I see this a lot, and uh, I think this one video or one podcast episode is going to get people to start thinking differently. And that's our whole purpose at Better Wealth is to live intentionally by thinking differently. Awesome. Caleb, thank you for having me here again. And I am also excited to tell the story with math using this example of what really might be going on behind the scenes. Entrepreneurs, business owners, they hear, know your numbers, know your numbers, um, Profit First, which is a great book. And there's a lot of, there's a lot of awesome content out there. And I think we can add a lot to that by measuring what matters with regards to modeling something out into the future, seeing if what we're doing today is going to get us what we want in the future. But of course, none of that matters if you have no idea what it is that you want in the future. And this is another thing that we see with entrepreneurs is that they live in the moment because that's where they have to be in order to make things work. And they get to this point and a lot of times find their way into our ecosystem because in their business to the point where it's producing money. And for the first time, they're over that hump and they're skyrocketing, like money is coming in and they're going, what do I do with these resources and how do I best allocate them? Well, everything from the message in your book, the and asset of you are your number one asset to really understand what your why is and what do you want? What's the purpose for doing all of this? plays the intangible role of helping us get you to those things by developing solid strategy. So what we're going to do today is we're going to talk about John and Susan. They are owners of Happy Hippos Daycare. And I'm going to share my screen here in just a second. We're going to walk you through their model. So we're going to tell their story with math and see if what they're doing as business owners, as teachers, and people with pensions and a lot of things going on within their financial model are able to land the plane based off of what they're consuming today and projecting that out into the future. So hold on tight. I'm going to share my screen and we will dive in. For all the engineers out there, the people that like math are going to enjoy this episode. <laughs> so to set the stage, what you see here is that we've, we've gathered the data uh, for a family, John and Susan Smith and their sons, Matthew and Mark. And again, this is based off of elements of real uh, cases, real families, real business owners that we deal with. And what we're going to do is just walk through this. You can see that they own Happy Hippos Daycare, and um, Susan is a teacher at Denver Point School District. And again, all of this has been changed to protect identities and what's really going on. 
But essentially, when we start measuring what matters, we look at what's coming in. And then because all money is either saved or consumed, this is a universal principle. This is a universal way of looking at it. Money really is just saved or consumed, whether you're in Boston or Bangkok, as I like to say. So we can use this as a way to measure what it is that we're actually doing. So what's coming in? Each line item here, guys, it's on the screen. You guys can see it unless you're on the podcast then you can't see it. Then go to YouTube and check this out. But what you'll see here is that we've got a salary coming from the business to John of 75,000. We've got distributions of $100,000. We got rental income of $24,000 because they actually are owners of the building where their childcare facility or excuse me, childcare center is, um, is housed. And then we have social security looking on into the future. That's not coming in obviously for another 23 years. Then we have Susan's teacher salary her pension and social security. So there's a lot of line items of income. And we see this Caleb with business owners all the time. Yep. And honestly, the, the further along they are in their entrepreneurial endeavors, a lot of times the more line items of income we have and the model allows us to bring them on and off and model exactly what it is that you know today or what you would like to see in the future. So one thing that I see a lot with entrepreneurs is that they say, well, this is going to happen. This is going to happen. This is going to happen because they're visionary in nature. They're looking yep. towards the future. While there's nothing wrong with that, we got to measure what we know today. So this is what we know today based off of where John and Susan are at. So they have a total gross income of $264,000. So a very nice income coming in from all these sources. The next thing that we measure is liabilities. What sort of debt do they have on their personal model? Okay. One of the things that we also see with entrepreneurs is that we see this amalgamation of business and personal, or what I call household economy. What we encourage folks to do is to have a clear separation of church and state because understanding what your household economy consumes and saves is just as important as understanding what your business economy consumes and saves. And what's great is we can put your business on this model and understand it in terms of consumption and savings because a business economy and a household economy are the same thing. All money coming in is either consumed or saved. And what does that tell us? That is a cash flow ratio. And when we project, project that out into the future, it gives us a lot of data and allows us to make better decisions. So before I digress too far, you'll see here that they just, they have an auto loan, uh, you know, nothing crazy. They just have a car and they're paying for it over time. And then there's the business PPP loan. Um, and what you'll see as we move into their investments column is that we've counted, it's being stored, um, it's being stored as cash on hand, but we've subtracted it from their cash on hand to really show that they only have about $20,000 cash on hand, but they are personally setting aside about $12,000, $1,000 a month going to cash. And then as you look down the screen here, you'll see that they have a combined savings and or investing account of about 266 and they're saving a little over $41,000 a year. Not terrible. Caleb asked me a lot of times, well, what, what is that percentage of savings? Well, their percentage of savings here is a little over 15% of yep. their gross income. And I beat him to the punch. <laughs> also, I just want to say that entrepreneurs, there's like this dilemma of like, oh, do I save money or do I pour it back into the business? So I, this is incredible that an entrepreneur that's making good money is investing 15% outside of their business 
And I, I believe it or not, this person is investing in their business because there's employees and other things. And so you could make the argument that you're investing a lot more, but the beautiful thing about this model is it separates that very, very cleanly. Jeremy, you do a phenomenal job working with entrepreneurs because I think a lot of times we're lying to ourselves and it's super simple. Consumption, i.e. the cost of living life today into the future and what we're saving into the future. So thank you. Yeah, for sure. And and realize too that a, a lot of the reason that the, like for instance, the 401k for John, this is a recent thing that he has decided to start. And the 195 yep. is being taken as a deduction or not a deduction, excuse me, but but he is deducting that because it's in a 401k. Right. Meaning that his accountant at this point in time has advised him to do that to reduce his taxable income. So we can talk about the efficiency and what that means into the future based off of where you believe taxes are going to be and so on and so forth. But I take that as an example. And again, these folks, John and Susan, are at the point where their, their business is up and running. If I had met them or we had met them four years ago, none of this would be in place. And, and they've, they've shared this with me. Like we were just turning and burning as fast as we could. Susan is at work. I'm at the, the child care facility. And we finally built this thing to the point where I can lift my head up out of the water and go <gasps> and take a breath and go, well, what do I do now? I've got money coming in. What do I do now? So it's an optimal time with which to have this conversation. With regards to real estate, we take a look at the efficiencies of the mortgage or the debt instruments that they have in place to get them where they want to go. And you can see here that they've got a primary residence that they're they're buying. And they also have a the childcare facility. Market value is 800. They owe 597. You can see the uh, monthly principal and interest payments and the interest rates listed here. And a lot of times, Caleb, this is where we can pull out a ton of efficiency mm -hmm. by leveraging debt in a more effective way if we know where we're headed. Right. So, and there's a lot of nuance here, uh, but this is, this is a huge tab that we spend a lot of time on, um, especially since for this couple, they're using the childcare facility as a source of income as well as how's their business. They're, they're doing it the right way. Yep. Okay. Protection. Personally, they've got a little bit of term life insurance and some from the school district with regards to life insurance. Um, Susan has some disability income insurance through the school district, but uh, John has none. So if he cannot function in the capacity that he is as the owner, manager, overseer of the child care facilities, how does that impact income coming to them, right? Lots of different things to talk about with regards to risk management. And with business owners, risk management is one of those things that quite frankly, in, in a lot of cases, not all, business owners will take and they'll chuck out the window because they're already in the business of running headlong into risk. Caleb, I know that you're one of these people, but with proper risk management, it actually frees you up to run farther and faster because you're not concerned about those things. And when somebody highlights, hey, there's maybe a really efficient way to run faster, farther, it excites entrepreneurs and business owners. Yep. And if you can combine and give, if you can give $1 multiple jobs by doing so, it really magnifies the conversation quite powerfully. Moving forward, I want to highlight here, we model life events. And one of the major life events for a lot of business owners is this conundrum of selling the business at some point in time. And what is it going to be valued out? Can I sell the business at some yeah. point in time? Yeah. Or maybe keeping that business on my model and having it pay me in some sort of annuitized fashion or maybe in perpetuity by 
grooming and growing a set of people yep. and being involved with their lives and paying them well so that that business can pay me well. Right. well we can model that. We can model a cash flow scenario or an annuitized uh, scenario yep. on the sale, or uh, we can just sell it lump sum. And this is really enlightening for a lot of business owners. And I want to I say something, Jeremy, because I made a statement earlier that a lot of business owners reinvest in their business and they're, they're mm -hmm. in a sense, they're investing in themselves. And this, this highlights that this is true. There is value in their business. There's value in, I mean, we're looking at just, if you include inflation, this is over $2 million that's going to go on to their personal model. So I want to be very clear that um, entrepreneurs that reinvest in themselves, that's not bad. We just need to model that. We would, be, we would not be true to um, these clients if we didn't model this, better or worse. And a lot of times people don't take all the factors. They're like making a decision in a vacuum with not all the factors. And this is, this just shows you like, yeah, you sell the business in the building, you have over 2 million bucks, again, due to inflation. If you want to explain the 800,000, 2% cola, but I'm, I'm really, this is my favorite tab on the model. It's because we can play different scenarios. I, by the way, love that about Caleb. He is the essence of an entrepreneur, a business owner, because this is the, this is the future tab. This is the tab that we can't necessarily measure today because we do not know what's going to happen in the future, but it allows us to try to make the best choices today based off of what we would like to happen and work for in the future. Right. What's great too, is that if this, then that, if I do sell and these numbers are the case, or if I do increase this particular cash flow line item, then it needs to be this number by this time period in order to do this thing. That's very valuable for business owners. That's why know your, knowing your numbers is so important because what's the goal, yep. right? If you don't know what to hit, how do you, I mean, what are you aiming at? Yep. This allows you to do that. So really quickly, we've said that the sale of Happy Hippos is going to happen 21 years from now in, in, for one year. And it's going to sell for $1.1 million, no cost of living increase. So this is $1.1 million today, 21 years from now, which means it'll be worth less based off spending power. Yep. Okay. With the business, we've said it's valued at 800 today. We're going to give it a 2% appreciation for 21 years. So it'll be sold at yep. whatever 800,000, you know, appreciated at 2% over 21 years is. Is that fair, Caleb? Yep. That, sound, that sounds great. Okay. So without further ado, let's move to the model here. And what we see is that we've got a uh, retirement plan, retirement age. And again, retirement is that it, it needs to be taken out of service. It doesn't resonate us yeah. with us here at Better Wealth at all. Uh, we believe in intentional living and that lasts until your last breath. S however, at some point in time, we would say you may want to have freedom options or what have you. So in this case, uh, Susan and John have said 60 is the age that we're after. And, and Jeremy, just to, I, 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 in my notes have them retiring at 64. So is that. Oh, you are correct. Okay. Let's make this adjustment. So 64 and guys, it's really easy. I just jumped back over to this tab. It is a 20, 20 year planning period though. Yep. So they're retiring at 65 years old, actually. Yep. Okay. Okay. Um, right now, they are in a 24% tax bracket, married filing jointly, and they have a total income of 264, and they are spending or consuming 222 to 50. Mm -hmm. Now, the difference of this is coming from where what they're saving, 
right? Because if all money is either consumed or saved, if I'm saving or, or controlling X amount of dollars, then whatever's left over, the logical explanation is that it's consumed or gone. Yep. Okay. So we, we have a 3% inflation factor on this green line. And a lot of people say, well, Jeremy, what is this green line? This is your desired income. It says desired income because you have control over how much money you spend or save. So what John and Susan are saying is that we spend 222 and some change. Well, what does that mean at our retirement year of 65? Yep. Have the same $222,000 standard of living at age 65, it will cost $401,000. So the volume of money goes up in an inflationary environment. And the question I ask, because I want to be very honest, is do you believe that inflation is a factor in our economy? And most people will go, <laughs> yeah. Yes. And so then we'll put a factor on there for it. Cool. We're also saying that all the money that we're going to save, which means save or control in some way, shape or form is going to earn 7% for the next 20 years and 4% thereafter. These are assumptions we don't know, but we can measure what we did last year for sure, based off of a weighted average rate of return on our whole portfolio. If we'd like to measure that, we can do that. They're saving 15, you know, over 15% of their income. So Caleb, without farther ado, let's see if what they're doing is going to get them at least this green line. So if green line is what we want based off of our spending behavior, will what we're currently doing based off of income coming in, income being saved, businesses right. that we're going to sell in the future, will that allow us to keep up with the minimum standard green line? Now, this, this is not showing them selling the business yet. This is correct. So without selling the business... Uh, and without selling the real estate associated with the business, they have a lack of balance at age 73. Okay. If we sell it, takes them to 82. Hmm. So close to 2 million, well, over $2 million coming in at age 65, right? When they retire gives them from, you know, 71 71, 72 out to 82. So roughly $2 million takes them out to 82, which is 10 years more of living that same standard of living. Pretty eye-opening. I mean, and again, we, we've had plenty of episodes going through this. The, the scenario is we could save more money, we could spend less money, we could make a greater rate of return. My question goes, again, this is the way I think with entrepreneurs is, okay, how did you come up with that evaluation? It's crazy to me how people are just willing to like sell sell their business and they don't really spend a ton of time figuring out the best way to leverage that. So what, what would you do as a coach? What are some of the questions that you're asking? Because obviously this is very, very common where it's like, okay, this is, this is like the initial snapshot and then we figure out how we improve from there. Right. And, and great question. A lot of times it's, you know, what questions do you have? How can I clarify what it is that you're seeing? Because most people have not seen their data represented in something as simple as a two-line graph ever before. And this is pretty much where we stay until that client is like, you know what, I get that. And that makes sense. What if we did this? And I allow, or we allow the client to guide the process. Well, what if we kept the business and kept earning income? from yep. the business over a long period of time, because we can see that, again, this is a lifetime spending plan. If you're not going to be spending money later on in life, then this, this means far less, but yep. most people are going to be spending something later on in life. So it, it's, it's sort of 
it's not, it's not overly complicated. How do you want to start manipulating the numbers to craft the lifestyle that you would like to have? So in this particular situation, Caleb, I would say, you know, what is it that you guys really, really are working towards? And sky's the limit, right? Right. We really want to be able to not have to worry about anything. And we do want to fully retire and travel and, and all that sort of stuff. That's where we go back after looking at the math and say, well, I don't want to keep the business. It's not my thing. This is what yeah. I'm doing in order to have a retirement period where I can have a motor home, I can travel. I, but that has to be pulled out through the conversation because if, if we're results oriented, you say ROR, what's the return on the result? Well, is this return what it is that I want? Well, if we haven't fully identified that yet, it's hard to help go back and really make this more efficient and more powerful. Does that help answer some of your questions? Yeah, today? no, I'm I'm into numbers, so I want to see want to see different different scenarios. But I'm I'm with you. You you have okay. to re reverse engineer. My question is, what happens if they don't sell the business, but put an operator in? Obviously, the will keep the rental income going. So let's say we keep the rental income because they're going to own the building. Okay. Ongoing. So, so let's keep the rental income as is. Yep. Um, let's, uh, let's at 21 years. So from 21 to, to 100, let's add a line item. So let's say that the business could pay them $100,000 yep. in perpetuity and give them a 3% cost of living. Yes. And then so, we'll, lo we'll lose a salary because we'll, we'll say the salary will be the equivalent to the person running the business. Okay. And yes. they're going to, so, so just to, just to clarify, you're not selling a business. So we have to take that off. And okay. the real estate, if you're going to continue to own the asset, um, there's, there's, uh, like you could, you could be a million dollars, it could be worth over a million dollars, but you're not realizing that. So the only way to measure that asset is the cash flow. A lot of people are do double counting real estate and it's, it's pretty tragic. Yeah. So it, it seems like what you're saying is <clears throat> making, making by leaving the rental income on here, we are not double counting because you can't spend yep. a rate of return and you can't spend depreciation. That's right. It's just yep. not, it's not a thing that we can do. We have to do an action in order to make that spendable money. So we're being honest with ourselves by saying, we're not going to sell the business and we're not going to sell the real estate here. We're just going to add a line item for income, which is a hundred grand grown at 3% starting right. in year 21. So when they retire and we're going to roll that all the way out to age 100. Okay. I love it. Let's I'm <clears throat> by the way, for, for people back home, we don't, we don't uh we don't know the outcomes of these. <laughs> this, this is this is how coaching works. It's like let's uh let's figure this out. So let's go. Let's see what happens. All right. So I am not selling any businesses, and mm. that is an income paid in perpetuity based off of keeping the business. Yikes. Well, you can see here that even though we're not keeping up with our, our green line, which is our desired income, we yeah. have a shortfall, right? This is the difference we're still generating $327,000. This is not no money, yep, right? It's right, just right. less than what you're accustomed to. And, 
And this is, this is really difficult, Caleb, for a lot of people to grab onto. They're like, well, Jeremy, I'm not going to spend that much money when I'm 78 years old. Yeah. Would you like to have the opportunity? It doesn't make sense guys to build a model that's designed to fail. You're currently spending 222 right later on you know, lifestyle creep inflation. There's too many factors, the increasing cost of healthcare. There's just too many factors to say, well, I want to factor for less. If that's what you really, really want, we could build it that way for you. And and, and also the inflation is one of those things that it's just hard. to plan for it's just hard to realize but if you look at data you look at what house costs what a car costs what you know gas costs what whatever it's it's easy to be like college that's eye-opening when you look at inflation and how that affects somebody and so it's fascinating and so obviously i'm just curious i I can't help myself what happens what would happen if they at age 65 they reduced a 10 percent reduction so you can see on our model, what we do is we just simply age to adjust income is 65. I'm going to make a reduction. You said 10%. Yeah. So we're going to live, so off, of 90. Gonna live off of 90%, right? Okay. So we reduce what we're spending by 10%. And, and then, then that, that adds a couple of years. And then what happens if I save, what happens if I save the magic 20, 20%? This stuff is just very, very interesting. I think what the model highlights is cash flow is really powerful, but um, I think selling the business, they would have been better off than in the scenario of only taking the distribution. Here's the magic with this particular scenario, and I'll, and I'll relate it back to what really happened in the dialogue with which I, I built this scenario from. What really happened was, if we go back and we look at what was going on, I'm just going to return this to what we, what we knew today. John and Susan, in this particular scenario, had absolutely no clue what they were really consuming on an annual basis. There you go. Because they had no idea. They were so focused on the business. Money came in and they spent it. Money came in and they spent it. John and Susan, here's here's the linchpin question, Caleb. Do you track where all of your dollars go each and every day, each and every month, and each and every year for your household economy? They say, no, we don't. Okay, great. Do you track where all of your dollars go to your business? Business owners will, in general, say yes. Then why in the world do you not do that the same thing for your household economy? Yeah. And this is, this is the hard part because now we have to have a conversation. It's about the math. But do we know what our household economy is consuming? Yeah. What we found out was that they weren't consuming 222. They were actually consuming a little bit more. But here's the power of this. If this question had not been asked and the dialogue had not been had, then getting this thing headed in a good direction would not be happening. Just like with their business, they worked and worked and worked and worked and worked. Now they've got money coming in. They feel like they got their heads above water and there's some breathing room. So then we go back to the numbers and say, what does the household economy look like? How can I get the household economy in order? And I tell you what, these folks are so happy because, because, It's not necessarily about what you're seeing on your screen right now, because this could seem hopeless. They're absolutely joyful because they've got some goals now and we've put, we've kind of put pins or waypoints on their map and on their model. And if this, then that for their household economy, just like they do for their business. Right. So the message here is business owners, entrepreneurs, 
if this is appealing to you and you want to understand the household economy and realize the separation of church and state and, and have a, a cash flow ratio model that you can be accountable to, this is a way that breaks it down very, very simply. And we can get to the heart of matter in short order and help get your household economy functioning like your business economy took years and years and years to get to, or maybe all of a sudden. So yeah, I, that's the power of this, I think, Caleb, for business owners and entrepreneurs is seeing the data. Yeah. I, I also will say in when we work with business owners, a, a huge consumption item that they are hit with is taxes. Mm-hmm. And, and it also can highlight, hey, what happens if we can be more efficient on the tax side, free up this money, shift it to savings, and it's a double, it's a double whammy in, in, in a good way because your consumption's going down, your savings are going up, and it, it's helpful to know these things. And so this is what I want to say is if, if you're an entrepreneur, if you're someone that's watching this that maybe is not an entrepreneur and, and wants to figure out where you're at, betterwealth.com is the place to go. And we just want to, want to encourage you to take a clarity call. Um, you can see below, if you're watching this on YouTube, a bunch of links. And we, we do that because we want to give people options. So we do something called the financial x-ray. We have a clarity call. We have workshops that we're really excited about. We also know, Jeremy, that there's a lot of financial professionals, agents, advisors watching this. And if, if that's the case and you are interested in using a model-based approach, cash flow ratio model, two-line graph with your clients, there's also a link for you to learn more about how you can start putting this in your practice and having uh, more clarity when you meet with clients because I'm telling you it's powerful when you can model out what's going on. Any final words as it relates to from the front lines? I would just say that when we do a lot of these episodes, what you guys are going to see is a model that doesn't necessarily look great, but the dialogue on the backside of this is people are so excited to know, Yep. right? It's just, it's finally somebody can show me what is going on with my numbers and is it going to land the plane for what it is that I want? Um, So don't look at this and don't, don't be fearful of opening up Pandora's box, if you will, (laughs) and looking at the numbers, it's really, really life-giving. And I would encourage anybody out there um, that is a business owner and entrepreneur that wants to take a look at this to just start the dialogue with a clarity call and allow us to, to help um, open up how you see these things and bring some more clarity to your, to your money, which brings more clarity to into living. Jeremy, thank you so much. Appreciate you a ton. Check out betterwealth.com. Like this video, share it, subscribe to our channel. We are, uh, our whole mission is to help you live more intentionally by changing the way that you think about money. And um, we've seen that time and time again. We love hearing from you. We love when our clients reach out and say, this is how I'm living more intentionally because of X, Y, or Z. So thank you. Um, Appreciate you, man. Likewise, always great to be here. Thank you so much for listening to the Better Wealth Podcast. It would mean the world to me if you could hit subscribe, leave a review, and share this with the people that you know and love.